Welcome to episode 40 of A Sporting Discussion, your podcast that discusses sports of all sorts. I am AJ Mithen, and it's with a mixture of joy and sadness that for the last time in 2016, I say welcome to a man who's now knee-deep in research notes ahead of a huge white line wireless summer of cricket. Andrew Jonathan. Andrew, how are you? I know everything about every team. Rain Man style. I'm well, I'm well. I'm not going to ask any questions. This week we are wrapping up 2016, talking about the things we loved about the year in sport. We're also going to delve into the lowlights of the year in sport, um, assuming that nothing's going to happen in the next three weeks of December. Surely not. Yeah, anyway. Uh, after this episode is in the can, we have an important announcement that uh, this show will be on hiatus until January 3. I've always wanted to be in something that goes on hiatus. Uh, we'll still be up for debate on our social media channels, so get in contact with us. We're on Twitter at ASD underscore podcast or facebook.com slash a sporting discussion and keep the sports talk rolling on. The final confirmations and corrections from the research division for 2016. Andrew, there was something that I said I'd look into last week, but I can't remember what it was. So if you're happy enough, we'll just <laughs> we'll just get on with our lives. So, so we're not all clear, but we're not not all clear. Well, look, we're something. Let's we're move on. Something. Let's move on to topical recap. Proudly brought to you by Ultimate AFL Trivia. Search for them on Facebook, where they normally put out daily AFL-related trivia questions. However, they're taking a break through the AFL off-season. But you can still get in contact with them if you'd like to run an AFL-themed trivia night at your event. Whereabouts, AJ? Anywhere in Australia. We've been to them. They're great nights. They are great nights. We did a Twitter poll, AJ. We did a couple. Yes. Some cheap and nasty engagement. What is your favourite summer league? Mm. And there were interesting response, fairly predictable response. Predictable response. the The options were Big Bash, NBL, A League, and other. Fifty seven percent said the Big Bash cricket, fourteen percent NBL, seven percent A League, and twenty two percent other, which yep. incorporated the Australian Baseball League. Some big fans of baseball in Australia. There are, and one fan of the Southern Church's cricket competition. Yeah, so. well, it's never a dull moment in the Southern Church's cricket comp, I've heard. Exactly. The Big Bash cricket has, you know, to, to use a worn-out phrase, taken the, the summer by storm, taken captured Australia by storm. It's captured our wallets and our hearts. Channel 10 have done a really, really good job of putting on a great production. Channel 9 are trying to, to outbid them for the next rights. So I think that Channel 10... I've been looking at all of the the ratings for every other show that Channel 10 does and they're minuscule, so they can't <laughs> afford to lose this and they won't. Yeah. I think Big Bash is a good it's a, when you're at the ground it's a good comp it's a good comp, it's you know, a bit of fun, everyone hits sixes, no one takes it all too seriously. I yep. think that's perfect for your two and a half, three hour slot, uh, just about every night. Now we did another poll, Andrew. And what was this one? Had a tinge of seriousness to it. Yeah, we we did try. Just a tinge. We, we workshopped a couple of possible options for this one, and, and we couldn't quite get it right. But the main talent I want shown by my wicketkeeper is in in light of Matthew Wade being selected, not because he can bat or keep or uh, <laughs> do anything other than mouth off. Uh, anyway, let's keep going. Yeah, yeah. keeping wicket was the most popular answer with 64%. I would Thank you, people. I would hope so. <laughs> Mouthing off, 21%. Oh, are you jokers? 8% said other, but no one told us what the other was. Uh, and 7% said making runs. So Interesting. Well, mouthing off. 
you know, it was a bit of a tongue in cheek yeah. poll. So I'm 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 just satisfied to see that sixty four percent thought keeping wicket was the most important. And let's let's leave this behind us and move on. <laughs> uh, there's going to be more listener feedback as the show goes on. We had a huge amount of feedback on your highs and lows on the year in sport, and we'll work our way through them as the show pans out. Time to get into the best and worst of the year and now we're not going to just do a list of best and then a list of worst and leave everyone depressed, Andrew. We'll mix it around a bit so that we don't stay on one side too long. That sounds like a good idea. Where uh, should we the start? The best way to do this is to draw it out of a hat. So, I just so happen to have a hat here. Yes, you do. Just so happen to have some highlight, lowlight names. <laughs> what do we got first? Oh, Andrew's lowlights. This is high tech, ladies and gentlemen. If, if we were doing this via Periscope, you would see the, the oh, lengths that AJ has gone to. Unbelievable scenes. Unbelievable scenes. Andrew's lowlights. Let's. My first lowlight. Make us cry. Was the Australian men's cricket team performance in Sri Lanka in the test matches and then in South Africa in the One Day Internationals and then the start of the Australian summer here in the first two test matches. Australia mm. had never lost a test series in Sri Lanka. Australia had, had, had only ever lost, I believe, one test in Sri Lanka before. So to lose three tests and lose them convincingly, it was just horrible. And the Australian batsmen looked as though they had never, ever, ever played against a spinner on a turning deck before. <laughs> well, if they've, if they've grown up in Australia, they never have. Yeah, very true. Yeah, It was really, really bad, wasn't it? And now that we've had a paper over the cracks test Yay. win, and now we're flogging an, an undermanned New Zealand in the one-day competition, so everyone's going to naturally assume that everything's good again. Yeah, and, and everyone's forgotten about the the disgusting selections for the one-day internationals in South Africa. The, hmm. the, the bowling attack was three guys who are not white ball bowlers. They're not uh, short-form bowlers, but uh, I think that just showed the... Lack of interest that Cricket Australia had in that one-day international series, which is uh, another bugbear of mine, but I'll get on to that next year. My second one is Olympics whinging. Oh. And, yeah. like Aussie whinging or worldwide whinging? More Aussie whinging okay. for, for me. And it was... You know, people whinging before the team had got there that the facilities weren't up to scratch. And then people whinging that they're... Oh, Aussie Olympic team whinging. Oh, no, 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 no. But then people whinging that the teams weren't performing as well as they should. Uh, okay. not, and not recognising that maybe, just maybe someone was better than them. <laughs> but just like, people having, people stringing up Kitty Chiller as, you know, the, the evil mistress of, of Australian Olympic sport. Just... Just relax, people. Just watch the greatest athletes in the world do their thing. And if you are one of those athletes, just be thankful that you're able to represent your country. Get over there and, you know, do, do your best. Like, stop, <laughs> stop getting on social media and just complaining about everything. Oh, like, I love a good complaint. Oh, As you're about to do with your next point. Yes, petty infighting and storytelling by Australia's male cricketers. Hey, uh. Juiced up even this week with Glenn Maxwell and even Darren Lehman sledging Maxwell in his press conference. Yeah, and Brad Haddon and Stuart Clark came out today and said, oh, you know, he wouldn't even get a game in New South Wales. What's he going to come up there for? <laughs> Just... Like, uh, when, did it, when did it all... Obviously, there's uh, the Aussie cricketing... 
philosophy and projection all these of macho men with collars firing and, you know, we're bloody tough and this and mm. the other. And in that's the public face. The private face seems to be a bunch of people all trying to scratch each other's eyes out and, yeah. Yep, or scratch each other's back if you are mates. Uh, oh, yeah. And yeah. Shane Warne's still trying to do that in, in his role as commentator. Oh, you're going to get blocked. Yeah, oh, I know. Um, and all of those, those last two, I guess, link into my next one. And another low light was the 24-hour media cycle, just making everything into a huge story. You've been big on your media uh, yep. this, this, uh, this year. Report stories. Tell us... If it's, I don't, I don't. I'm Isn't it the whole point of a twenty-four hour media cycle? Though? I'm going to be devil's advocate. Yeah, no, you be devil's. I'm not saying that it shouldn't be bad news being told, but you know, oh, which Star Wars character is your football team? That's actually an article that the Herald Sun went with this year, and it's like, <laughs> what? No. No. Why? What's, you don't think there's a market for that? No, I think that it's, it's one of the stupidest you, articles I've ever read. Might be the stupidest, but did you see it on the actual page or did you see it in the top ten most read column as you glanced the page? No, no I, I'm not sure. I saw it on the online version when I was scrolling through and I, and I read it and mm. just went, I feel stupider. Well, just remember when you're looking at stuff online, the higher stuff is the stuff that's getting looked at more. Oh, and hey, look, I'm... I can get on to people's reading habits if you want me to. <laughs> no, I can't see that on a list. But hey, we're here to complain <laughs> in this section. Yeah, this, this is low lights. And, and I, yeah, mine and... I, I agree. Sorry, sorry to interrupt. That's I, all right. I agree with the blowing things up into a big story when they mm. don't need to be. Yeah. Like I've just heard um, Port Adelaide's Jarman Impey has been suspended for one week for some alleged drink driving shenanigans. Yes. And I just heard 15 minutes of talk back and conjecture on the radio about how it was too soft and this, that and the other and and all of a sudden people were talking about the entire club being too soft and Port Adelaide a week at week on crime, you know. And uh, Lord, that's kind of the, that's but that's Melbourne, that's AFL. But but that's that's my point. It's the twenty four hour media cycle forces those sort of things to one, get too much air and two, just snowball into something that it's not. Uh, a bunch of flogs. Ah, there we go. You've read my notes. I did because read your my notes. next one is the yeah. word flog being used far, far, far <laughs> too often. Adam Goods, I think, mm. was the first uh, person to really just have that word thrown at them through the, the booing saga of last it, year. Where did the word flog come from? Because I've, I've, I've only, I haven't, and I grew up around a lot of swearing. I don't, yeah. <laughs> I don't, I haven't heard flog for uh, until like two, three years ago. Yeah. The only time that I would ever use it is to refer to having a round of golf and you just, you know, amusingly call it flog. Like, oh, here, here, yeah, great. <laughs> but it is on every single article ever written on, particularly on sport and politics. It's, you read social media <laughs> comments, or oh, this flog, or that flog, you're a flog, mate, or they're a flog. Like, <laughs> there's oh, a lot of my... world's biggest flogs out there. <laughs> <laughs> or, and there's, there's literally thousands of biggest flogs of all time yep. out there. <laughs> yeah, so just come up with a new word. Or just, again, don't be... Well, give them a suggestion. Don't just, you know, don't criticise. Build. It's so easy to tear down. So hard to build. You know what? Just don't be so negative. Hmm. That'll be my suggestion. Well, that works. Yeah. And speaking of not being negative, what's your next low light? (laughs) The emergence of too many sports satire sites. This is going to sting a few people. It is, yeah. It, It just... it. 
it goes with the yeah. the flog thing. It goes with the cynicism of social media. And Quali- like every- qualify what a sports satire site is for us and me in particular. <laughs> so basically, uh, you know, whether it be a Twitter account or a full blown website of someone who they see an incident and immediately need to to make light of it and make a joke uh, of it. So Steve Smith got hit in the in in the box tonight uh, in the cricket, and immediately there were people trying to. You know, one up each other with their jokes, or a full-on website—bastards! What you know, a pack of bastards! A full-on website dedicated to yeah, satirical un- stories. So is, about- this, is that more what you're what you're angry at here, rather than because you know you'll one up each other in the pub no matter what oh, happens? And that, that's basically the the sewer of social media is for those sort of things. Are you talking more the organised? Oh yeah, the uh, organised website. Yeah, yeah, so you know, it started with Titus O'Reilly on on the Twitter box and. When he got really big, became, you know, there was a, a website and everything, and then there was the Carlton Draft, the Greenfield Post, Inside Source, and now even the Raw are trying their hand at it. Some of those, so the Greenfield Post does write some normal articles, mm. but for, it's, I guess it's just me being a grumpy old man and <laughs> seeing all these people on social media trying to come up with the most cynical comment whenever you see something. And hell, I'm... I'm nowhere near blameless in this. Mm. I walked past uh, a bookshop the other day yeah. and it said, come in on Friday for Michael Clark signing his book. And yeah. my first thought was, I should buy a Shane Watson book and get him to sign it. What? What? Well, you should have tweeted that or no. written an article about it and posted it on a satire website. Well, it was at that moment where I went, I've really got to stop that because that's just, <laughs> that's just not healthy. <laughs> what about the grade cricketer? Are they sports satire or are they just, I don't know. Yeah, they, yeah, another one. Yeah, grade cricketer, the reserve footballer, all of those ones. Oh, yeah, the reserve footballer. I forgot yeah. About that. yeah. Uh, look, I've just, I've had enough, AJ. I've, I've had, had enough. enough. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. Is it, have any more lowlights to go? No, no. So my, that one? my lowlights weren't really um, on, just the, more on just the field, more were they? Angry talking points. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, let's get off lowlights. Let's go to some highlights of listeners. Listener let's, highlights, yeah. yeah. Uh, in semi-alphabetical order, uh, Rob Ayling said that his highlight for 2016 was Patrick Dangerfield, uh, Geelong champion, winning the Brownlow and that Fox footy surfing ad. He had tied for first. <laughs> they had the, uh, Danger going surfing in full suit and tied. Yep. It's beautiful. Yes. It's an awesome ad. Dangerfield, he's been one who's been really, really good with access to like providing the media with access to him and being very open. So he's been he's been yeah. great the last couple of it's, years. Uh, it's really good. And there's footage of him actually uh, fishing up at Groot Island. Okay. With, I think it's called On the Boat No More Favours, which is uh, Bomber Farrell's boat up there, a guy we know. Oh, really? Up in the top end. Um, <laughs> we saw the video on Facebook. Have a look. We'll, we'll see if we can grab it and share it, but it's really, really good. Uh, Danger having his first crack at... Uh, iMovie, I think it is, and showing um, the marlins that the sailfish and that that they caught. Tremendous. Uh, what's the next one, Dono? Stu McLennan loved the women's rugby sevens Olympic gold at Rio. And I don't think yeah, Stu awesome. is alone on that one. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was I'm, really against New Zealand too, and they belted them. Yeah. And I'm, I, I, won't, I won't spoil my highlight of the year, but uh, I, I oh, dare... you just did. No, I didn't, or did I? I dare say that we will be hearing that at least once more in, in mm. my highlights and possibly in AJ's as well. No, I'm, not, it was, I'm not sure. It was a popular win. It was really good. Uh, gave, they've just won bronze in the... Uh, 
Uh, I can't remember the name of the tournament. The, the World Sevens. World Sevens or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, Sean McLaughlin, the year of the underdogs. And this was a big theme in a lot of the feedback we got, uh, as in Leicester City winning the Premier League, Cleveland Cavaliers winning the NBA title, Western Bulldogs winning the AFL, uh, Cronulla and the NRL, uh, Brexit, uh, Donald Trump. <laughs> uh, a lot of unexpected results out there. I, I feel as though you're leaving one out there. You haven't mentioned Chicago Cubs. No, AJ. Chicago. A lot of people mention Chicago Cubs in Year of the Underdogs, and uh, I'll get to that later because this okay. is this is highlights. All right. Uh, yeah. Sean McLaughlin also said the Fiji Rugby Sevens at the Olympics when they got in a circle and sang a hymn after the game. Ah, yeah. The the gold medal at the Olympics is the pinnacle of Sevens Rugby. Mm. It's enough to make you quit your uh, potential millions of dollars at the San Francisco 49ers and try (laughs) to get a run uh, playing Sevens Rugby for Fiji. But it just meant so much for them all. Mm. Um, And it's a deeply religious team and deeply religious nation. Um, It was awesome. It was a really good highlight. Thanks, Sean. We also had Emma Hickman, who uh, talked about uh, what's great. Talked about, well, they won the VFL again. <laughs> uh, talked about the Western Bulldogs as well and the Chicago Cubs. Yep. Um, not in underdog terms, just in more of how good was it that they won terms. Yep. And there won't be any argument about us from that. No, not at all. Uh, Adrian Moran, another year of the underdog, um, which again, yep, absolutely. Although, as we said. AJ's got something apparently to say about the Cubs <laughs> later on. Uh, Simon Carolyn uh, said his highlight was uh, Usain Bolt at the Olympics, uh, showed us that there was good in the world. Uh, and he also said the rise of women's sports is a high and girls in their early teens have a whole new world. And that's one of the big things that mm. came out of this year uh, with the women's AFL uh, being launched, but also the new collective agreement for Australian netball. Mm. Um, and... I think the New South Wales women's cricket team went yeah. full professional. Yes. And there's, well, everyone else is going to have to follow unless they just want to be runner up every year. Yeah. Well, they already are just runner up yeah. for the New South Wales breakers. <laughs> um, the, yeah, the uh, opportunities in the world for um, girls coming out of secondary school and, you know, dreaming of having a kick like we used to. Mm. Um, and yeah. actually being able actually to make being a able living to do of it. it. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's a, it's a first in our time. Mm. Yeah. Uh, our last highlight from our listeners was Greg Furness, men's track and field at the Olympics. Usain Bolt's triple and Vanekirk's 400-metre world record. Now, that was uh, a really cool moment when they were interviewing Usain Bolt after having won one of his races. I'm not sure it was the 100 or, or the 2. And all of a sudden the crowd just erupted and Usain Bolt's just, oh, hang on a minute, hang on a minute, because he wanted to watch oh, Van yeah, Kirk yeah. get, you know, he, <laughs> yeah, break the world record and, yeah, just oh, a really awesome. cool moment. Yeah, that's good. Mm. Um, AJ, pull your hat out because All right, we're we'll going to go to you and we want to see if it's going to be your highlight or low light. All so. right, just let me... Okay, it's my highlights. Oh, good. All, All right. right. And I'll start off with baseball because you know I love my baseball, Andrew. Yes. I have for a very, very long time. A White Sox fan. I'm a from White way Sox back. fan. I didn't like the fact that uh, the White Sox 2005 World Series win was airbrushed from history to suit the Cubs' <laughs> tail. But anyway. Um, uh, what, what did you like? Just this baseball year? in general. It was a real, Major League was a really good season, mm. especially with the Cubs winning 108 years um, since, their, since their last World Series. Just ridiculous. It's impressive. Um, th- but I won't stand anyone telling me that that's an underdog story, Andrew. 
because T- talk me through it, AJ. If they'd won it maybe five years ago, yes, that's a definite underdog story because mm-hmm. the club was basically in the toilet until uh, Theo Epstein and um, uh, Hoyer came along and uh, rebuilt the franchise basically from bottom to top. They right. were losing. Uh, they lost something like 90 games out of the 160 and now they've turned that around to winning over 100 um, with an exciting, electrifying young roster um, that will be around the top for many, many years to come. But the roster themselves, in terms of this year, you don't, you don't say that they were the, the underdogs? They no, were, they weren't. They, they were the favourites at the were start ex- of the year, They were expected they? to win the World Series last year and when they went out in the playoffs, it was actually quite a shock. So right. the Cubs went into this year... Uh, among the top three favourites to win the entire thing. Okay. Um, they set all sorts of scoring records across the way. Had a slight stumble in the playoffs, but they won. So there mm-hmm. you go. And I guess that so the romance around the 108 years is the main story there. Yeah. Because the work they had to do to bring what was a joke, literally a joke of a franchise up to world champions was... Just incredible, but it's not an underdog story by any means. All right, and the Australian Baseball League as well. You're you're pretty keen for that. I this love year. me some ABL. We spoke to Ben Foster quite a few weeks ago, who said that they had a few things going uh, around uh, fan engagement, game day experience, all that sort of stuff. And I've been to a few ABL games, and they're fantastic. Mm. The standards, brilliant. Standards always been good, but this year it's particularly good. Um, there's ex-major leaguers like Mark Hamburger who's pitching for the Melbourne Aces uh, who used to play at Detroit. Luke Hughes is here. There's a lot of Australians who have had a taste of the major league and come back. There's young up-and-comers like the Dales uh, and in, at Melbourne and the Nilsons. Uh, I think there's three Nilsson brothers. Yeah, right. Uh, up at the Brisbane Bandits. Um, there's an 18-year-old Brody Vasilakis who's a star, who's starting pitcher at the Cavs, at uh, Canberra Cavalry. Cavs. Um, there's, I think... Uh, one of the Dales is 15 years old and he hit a grand slam <laughs> Wow! <laughs> up against Brisbane last week. pretty impressive. But there's also imports uh, getting a run out here from their Major League host team, so to speak, the prospects for the Major League sides. And one of them is Ronald Acuna, mm. who's an 18-year-old Venezuelan kid who's on the Atlanta Braves um, prospect list. And he is just destroying them. The quality of the play, because all of these players are here, the quality of the play is really, really high in the Australian Baseball League. Excellent. What what else have you have you liked this year? Uh, speaking of more standard, I like the A League. Oh, and so do more people from the look at it because uh, crowds are up, ratings yep. are up, uh, ratings. That was, that was a big ratings problem still, last year. Ratings still aren't that great, but they're up. Up is good. <laughs> they're up significantly. Um, from garbage to trash. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the standard on the field is really, really high as well. Sydney FC, who, you know, sure they weren't expected to, to you know, to not be contending, but they certainly weren't expected to be as dominant as they have been. Mm, yeah, that was a big surprise to everyone. People are expecting Melbourne City to be where they are. Um, all the usual players are there, but it's usually the, the standard's quite good. Adelaide are just starting to come good, as we <laughs> thought they might. Um, and I think the reason the crowds are up, um, it goes a lot a lot beyond Tim Cahill. Um, I think um, people are realising that uh, the standard of play is actually a lot better than they automatically dismissed it to be. Yes. Yep, definitely. Um, And so that brings people to games and it gets them watching uh, on TV. Um, And I'll stick with soccer for my next one, Mm. which was the Matildas. Oh, yeah. How good. Qualifying for the Olympics, um, which is incredibly difficult through Asia. Um, their performance at the Olympics was great. Um, heartbreaking penalty shootout loss <laughs> to Brazil. Yeah, um, yeah, but they were they. That was one of the best um, 
women's football sides we've sent over there. We're sent to the, sent to an Olympics. And one of the Australian women won the Asian Player of the Year recently as yeah, well. Yeah, Caitlin Ford. That's the one. Caitlin Ford, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, and Lisa Devano was nominated as well. We, yeah. love, we love Lisa Devano. Um, and just sticking on the women's, the sevens gold we've spoken about. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was a little bit pessimistic about this at first, but I actually quite like the new Australian Netball League. Are you turned? No. Oh, I've always liked it. You're, you're, you're I just concern- don't like. I don't like the logo, and I don't like that Channel Nine owns it. And and also, you were concerned that it is going to reduce the quality of international uh, competition as well. Which yeah. Is, yeah. For the purposes of a good league, I can put that aside. Yep. But it is going to basically destroy international netball. Um, not being able to have. Uh, too many international players across. Yeah. yeah. Um, what else? Jeez, we've got a long, big list of highlights, isn't it? The NRL Grand Final, uh, Cronulla's first oh. ever first ever premiership, and what a game! And I was going to say the game what itself. Game. Yeah, that was my highlight. That was probably close to my absolute highlight of the year. That was the NRL Grand Final. The Melbourne Storm just should not have been able to be as close as they were, but well, they that's were, the thing. and they were one decent pass away from winning it. Yeah, yeah. Someone and with a little bit more peripheral after vision the, after the after the siren, one pass away from winning it, and that yeah, Melbourne Storm were just incredible the way they stayed in that, and Cronulla were incredible the way they basically handled their whole final series. Yep. They um, made it to a, a prelim last year and got absolutely destroyed by North Queensland. Um, mm-hmm. They were already out on their feet, um, but this year they knew exactly what they had to do, and they did, they executed it perfectly. Their, Damn right. Their final series was just some of the best some of the best league you want to see. Not all the big free running stuff, but more mounting pressure and just uh, just just good rugby league teams. Yeah, yep. they can score really really well. Um, mm. Be interesting to see how they go next year. Just uh, two quick ones. I loved Game Seven of the NBA Finals: Cavs v Warriors. Oh yes, LeBron's block, Kyrie's three. Yeah, yeah. The uh, last two seconds where the Warriors had the ball and the championship was on the line. It's very rare that that happens, but then it happened again in Game Seven of the uh, World Series mm. with uh, the Cubs and the Cleveland Indians, uh, which went to ten innings and and a rain delay. Rain delay. The Indians. The Indians looked like they had it. They were three one up in the series. Uh, they were winning that game, and the Cubs just found found a way to get it done. Yep, that was really good. And the last one was uh, my Canberra Raiders Aww. finally waking up. You can we've we've all seen them, folks. The the your team like growing from being quite bad. Yep, <laughs> quite bad is an understatement. And just see them develop and grow and flourish some young local talent above your in in front of your eyes and then bring in a couple of other recruits and it was just awesome. The Raiders were going getting to the prelim and pushing the Melbourne Storm all the way to the final siren. Um I was disappointed that they lost that game, but it was probably for the best because they were so banged up and there were so many injuries that they were never gonna they they would have just been fodder for Cronulla. Yeah. Fair enough. All right, let's take a little bit of a a break and we'll be back with some more highlights and lowlights in a sec. AJ, pull out your hat again. Let's see if it's me or you and if it's a highlight or a lowlight. It's a very big hat. (laughs) Mary Poppins style. Oh, it's the listeners. 
Oh, we've already heard their highlights, so no, there must you go. be their lowlights. Listen to lowlights. All right. All right. Uh, I'll have a look at the first one. Roderick Brown, who got in touch with us on Facebook, uh, said, my NRL team, which is Parramatta, mm-hmm. uh, setting a benchmark on how poorly you can run a franchise. They're like the Essendon of the NRL run like an over-45 pub soccer team. <laughs> Not a good year for Parra fans. No, on a number of fronts. But they've moved on. They've, they've, uh, they actually played pretty well. All things considered, salary cap scandals yeah. here and four and scandals, all sorts of... Well, the season was scandalous. <laughs> um, and Roderick acknowledged that. He says they were like that in 2016. I think he can see that next year might be a bit better. Yeah, as we had Stu McLennan hated New South Wales losing origin yet again. Uh, sick of the lack of focus on grassroots by most big sports. Amen. And... Once more, international rugby league development beyond the big three. Yeah, that can be, I guess that could be a low light or a highlight, mm. um, whichever way you look at it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Scotland taking a point off, or getting a point against New Zealand in the recent Four Nations was a good one. In yeah, league. but, but, but there does need. Oh, yeah, needs a hell of a lot of work. Yeah. yeah. Um, we go. Emma Hickman got us again. The performance of the swimmers at the Olympics. Oh, the swimmers, mm. they always. <laughs> They're always held up to such high, But high to be fair, level. they did go in there as world champions oh, yeah. and world record holders. So. Oh, yeah. No, I was going to say that they are it, – it's the one sport where historically Australia has done really well at an international level. And as you say, people were world champions and the world champions didn't really perform. Mm. Uh, Simon Carolyn has to be the Essendon saga as it goes on and on and on and on and on. I, th- I thought it was finished. Oh, it's never finished. Till it, till it comes up again. Someone's yeah. got to sue someone. Oh, they're so brave. Uh, Adrian Moran. The, uh, the Oh, this is a good one. The crucifixion of the New South Wales cricket team after Phil Hughes, so that the coroner's inquest. Yeah. Which brought up some highly, highly unnecessary uh, suggestions. Yeah, the, the coroner's inquest was it's a requirement of New South Wales law for, um, I think, I don't know, accidental and... There's a, a term that they use. So it had to be done. But yeah, as you say, some of the questioning. Oh. Uh, uh, not so much that. Some of the implications that mm. came out of not just the questioning but the reporting. Oh, yeah. That uh, like Doug Bollinger, who had nothing to do with the actual act, yeah. being questioned as to why he was sledging and saying, alleged that he said, I'm going to kill you to Phil Hughes and... Yeah, just a lot of un- unnecessary. That's a real low That's light. That's a massive low That's light. That's a massive low light. But so was the Chapeau Coense uh, plane crash that yeah. just happened in the last week. Uh, the Brazilian soccer team who mm. were on their way to the uh, Copa Sudamérica uh, final. Yes, which is the Champions League for South American club football. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. yeah that was terrible. That was um, a horrible tragedy. A lot of their players were killed. A lot of the journalists covering the game were killed, and mm. I think 50, 50 odd uh, civilians, if you want to call them that, um, yep. died as well. Just just horrible. Just yeah. horrible. Genuine um, low light there. Yeah. But the good. There's been a highlight from that, and that's the reaction of uh, the that league. And oh yeah. The team supporters and the other team supporters. Um, yeah, that's been really good. Ronaldinho saying, I'll come out of retirement and play for free. Yeah, well, they've, um, the league have already said that they've, 
they're making a ruling that Chapo Quance can't be relegated for three years. Oh, brilliant. And uh, opposition teams have offered to do transfers to them for free. So they'll uh, not, not charge any transfer fees for yep. any players that they, they want to bring in. So Excellent. it's really good. And I think they were ordered they – they were, they were awarded the um, – uh, the Champions Trophy. Uh, yes, they were. Yeah, in um, at the suggestion and insistence of their opponent as well. Mm, yeah, which is really really good. Mm. We had uh, Greg Furness get in contact and say one of his lowlights: Russia. Just generally, <laughs> not a good year for Russian athletics. No, and it won't be a good year going forward because a lot of uh, retrospective samples keep getting tested and keep turning positive. Oh, yeah. Not saying that's a Russian problem. That's going to be a huge athletics problem. Yes. Our final one. Do you want to talk us through this one? Rob Ayling. Uh, his low light of the year was Kitty Chiller. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, I remember, was very strong on on the Kitty Chiller. Uh, very strident. Vitriol. Yes. <laughs> yes. No. Anyway, we've spoken about Kitty a fair bit. Yes. All right. I'll go back to the hat, Andrew. All right. It's, it's either me or you. It's me. And, it's and you've cool. done your highlights, so give us your lowlights. My lowlights. This one won't be popular, but I've said it before. It was the AFL 2016 season was a lowlight for me. In, in Explain in what way, because it was close in terms of teams from one to, to eight and even nine on the ladder. But So what's your, uh, uh, what's your issue and your lowlight of it? Well, like I said, we can throw back many, many episodes ago. I yep. gave it four out of ten because the standard of play – was nowhere near the mark to where it has been in recent years. Yep. Um, the closeness wasn't due to a whole bunch of teams with similar talents. It was just due to a whole just basically everyone had a down year. Yeah, okay. The fact that, I mean, you're a Hawthorne man, I'm a Geelong man, and the fact that our teams who are rebuilding yep. were, and I mean, you were five goals away from a prelim and Geelong played in a preliminary final. Yeah. Um, yeah, that they shouldn't have been there. No, well, yeah, no, not not you know. I'm glad Geelong was, but they shouldn't have been there. Yeah, no, I, I I do agree that the even I've got to say even as a spectacle, the grand final it was, it was horrible. A bad skills, game. really bad game. But, but not not to take anything away from you know the the, the teams that win, no, anything, but just in terms Bulldogs, of the contest, I'm glad the Bulldogs won. But the AFL just left me cold yep. this year. And one thing that didn't help was after the Bulldogs won was the flood of overly emotive, syrupy, treacly crap that was rammed down our throats by every single football writer in the country about how all of Australia wanted this to happen. and Oh, so much crap about... Uh, oh, anyway. Yep. No, we, we've, both, we've both been on record as saying that that was probably just a bit over the top. Yeah, just a fraction over the top. Oh, dear. By a me. factor of a thousand. Yep. Anyway, I don't want to get caught on one low light. Semi-Red Radra. Oh, yeah. What part of him? All of it. The whole semi Red Radra package. Played a game for Australia. Uh, he's a Fijian national. Yep. Uh, played uh, in April for Australia against New Zealand. Uh, was quite upfront that he was only doing it for the match payment. Yep, because he wanted to support his family. He wanted and he to couldn't support do his that. family and he can't do that playing for Parramatta. And he's obviously not going to do that for Parramatta because he's allegedly signed with uh, Toulon over in French rugby. Uh, he has been. Charged with allegedly assaulting his partner. Um, he didn't show up to court to face said charge. Alleged. <laughs> alleged, mm-hmm. alleged, alleged. Yeah. Um, and then it was announced that Toulon announced that he'd signed with them, uh, put out pictures of him in all their gear and all that and said he's here coming for a year. <laughs> um, 
When he was still under contract. Still under contract. He's got one year left at Parramatta. Oh, dear. But more importantly than that, he was expected in court to face charges of assault. Yep. Didn't show up. And then all the talk was that he just wasn't going to show up. He was just going to go to France. But... In the end, he turned up in court, gave a, told them that he was uh, attending to his sick father and the court accepted that. Um, and now all of a sudden he's talking about how he's going to be – he wants to play in a premiership this year at Parramatta and all, you know, I'm all ready to go for para. Just just ridiculous. Yeah. that was Just a microcosm of what's wrong with world sport at the moment. Yeah, and it was a genuine circus. And, and, and it still will be. They, yeah. won't, they won't let it slide. No. Parramatta should just let him go now. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, yep. yeah. Yep. But, they, but they won't. All right, the next one. Um, it's the it's the form of the Socceroos, Andrew. Oh, this one's going to hurt because oh. you're you're a big football fan. Oh, I love my Socceroos. Mm-hmm. Love my Socceroos. There's nothing better than going to a Socceroos game. I just say best best sporting moment of your life. The or best, best sporting moment of your life. Well, it can't be the best moment. Okay. <laughs> Not on the record. <laughs> uh, no, best sporting moment of my life, November 2005. 83,000 of my friends at ANZ Stadium. Um, but low light this year, unfortunately. It's a low light this year, and which sounds stupid because they haven't lost any official games. They've, they've lost two games all year, and they were both friendlies mm-hmm. to England and Greece. Um, they've won five, and they've had three draws. Um, but the three draws have been their last three games in absolutely critical World Cup qualifiers that they should have won. And that, there were there were two where they like just outright should have no no doubt should have won. And Thailand won. they should have beaten. Yep. And Thailand they in should the have end, been, in the end they were lucky to get out of there with a draw. Thailand they should have been up three 0 twenty minutes in. Yeah, but that you know that was yep. the expectation anyway. Um, Thai, that mind you, we've said Thailand are no schlubs. They oh absolutely. And that was like, they watch, were they were playing. For the memory of their king, so that yeah, was yeah. that was something a bit out of the ordinary. I and mean, it, soccer is a flog them when it comes to Australia. Yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, but they they're currently third, halfway through this uh, this stage of World Cup qualifying. Third puts you in a playoff against the third from the other group, and if you win that playoff, then you play off against a South American fifth place team. So, so it could be deja vu, deja vu all over again. Back to Uruguay and all that. I, I really hope they can get it right, but their attack has been stagnant. Yep. The defense has been giving up reasonably soft goals pretty early. Um, yeah, it's. I'm a little bit concerned. I hope I don't have to be, but the qualifiers don't start up again until next year. So. There's plenty of time for Ange to sort it all out. Yeah, and, and yeah, in the lead up to that, we can we can dissect what they need to do to to turn their fortunes around. Yeah, um, I've got to go to the Olympics, Andrew. Yep, I know this is something that your low light was. People saying this was a low light. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, not the Olympics themselves, because the Olympics is always great. Yeah, the event. I don't particularly care for the Olympics, but you sit there and watch sports, and you know people are achieving things. Yeah, whatever. I can I can enjoy this. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I didn't like all the sideline drama. Uh, in, in all, terms the, of... all the all uh, the kitty chiller. We got here, and oh my god, this isn't ready, and what a disaster. And then literally twelve hours later, oh no, everything's fine. Yep. Yeah, uh, Brazilian Brazil. Uh, what's his name? Uh, Rio's Lord Mayor coming out and saying these guys are all a bunch of sooks. Yep. Um, it was highly unedifying for the reputation of Australian sport. Um, and what also didn't help was them going in there saying, well, we're going to finish top five in the uh, medal count, uh, maybe top three. We expect to win X, X and X. Yep. Uh, and when that didn't work, they had no fallback plan. They had no, oh, well, you know, the other person was just better. It was like, well, this is a disaster. 
Uh, let's take, oh, who is it? Not Seabom. Um, Kate Campbell. Campbell. Kate and Bronte Campbell, sisters who didn't win gold, mm. all of a sudden, uh, worst thing in the world, you know, what's gone wrong? This is all a disaster. And it all started so well with uh, the women's 4 by 100 metre freestyle winning and I think even setting a world record on the first night. So it was like, yeah. oh, here we go. But and I think it was, I mean, the the Opals lost a game they were expected oh, to win. Oh, that was bad. The... The uh, Boomers got absolutely hosed against Spain. But again, they shouldn't have been in that game, in yep. the bronze medal game. They should have been playing off against the US for gold, but they got absolutely murdered by Serbia oh. in the uh, semi-final. Yes, they did. Um, so I think it was more... What, what annoyed me more out of the whole Olympic experience was not really the over, over-promising and under-delivering because you kind of expect that. But it <laughs> was... We tend to have... We tend to misjudge greatly where Australia stands in the pantheon of world sports, particularly around Olympics time. Yep. There are some fairly bloody good athletes running around for other countries. And some of them them aren't mainstream countries, Andrew. Outrageous. Um, And just the the way that we react to loss is really unedifying. Yeah. The way we react to winning is really unedifying. (laughs) (laughs) I just thought they – I don't know – on an Australian scale, uh, mm. this year's Olympics was just really, really bad. Handled really badly on all aspects. On all fronts. On no. all fronts. Yep, no, suitable low light. Uh, right, I'll give you my last one. And this this is always going to be there, so I'll just say it. It's the increasing commodification of leagues and sport, Andrew. We've uh, heard, sports and business. We've heard many executives um, talking in the media about their product Yep, uh, and their markets and their this and that and the other and they don't actually mention the word sport mm. and they talk about customers and uh, they talk about oh, what else all you know all marketing spin basically. yeah yeah, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm not as you know um, I'm not as on board with with this one as you I don't mind that it's seen as a business because I saw my my football team Hawthorne almost you know go under and the AFL or the VFL uh, or the AFL deciding that they needed to merge them and then basically the club pulling themselves up and going right we need to run ourselves like a business so I can I can see that but I also see your point that it it does take away a little bit from the you know I guess the the relationship that individuals can have with the sport yeah but Hawthorne didn't turn their business model into clients and customers and yeah, true. Uh, you know, offsets and things like that and experiences and those sort of things. They actually rallied some businesses together and restructured themselves and did all those sort of actual corporate things. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, I see where you're coming from. Yeah. Um, it's, and this goes a bit further to Stu McLennan's point about the grassroots attention. Yep. Um, if you have people at the top of your game, your top of your sport, who are focused or who come from only marketing business backgrounds or PR types. Mm -hmm. Um, All they care about is maximising dollars for that league. For the league. For the league. They couldn't give two hoots about the country league, the, uh, you know, suburban leagues, anything, anything else. All they're there to do is focus on making sure that their league is as profitable as possible 
and they, they don't care whether you're actually going to the game or not. It might be just they won't get, execute a TV deal that's worth a lot of money. Yeah, that, that's a that's a big one. The the TV deal at the expense of crowds actually wanting to go and being able to go to the game. I think a lot of a lot of uh, head office people across Australian sport aren't necessarily uh, what are they from a background in the sport, or a, and I don't mean they okay. have to have played because we are very anti that. Oh, of course, I mean a proper understanding. I mean David Smith, who was the most recent CEO before Todd Greenberg came in for the NRL, mm-hmm. knew nothing about the game. Yeah, almost nothing. And uh, was getting players' names wrong at his first conference, press conference was, yeah. See, that's not good. But then you get guys like David Gallup, who's been in a few different sports, Ben Buckley as well. So I think it needs to be tempered. They, they do need to have a certain, you know, like business acumen, but yeah. they need to have that understanding. But you've got to have a love, a love for the sport as well. Yeah. That, that's my point. Um, having people up there saying that, basically talking about a sport that people love and will do anything for in cold marketing terms is, yep. it's just it's it's not good and it basically alienates your whole base yep uh, agreed um and yeah you've got to love and care for your sport and you've got to want to grow it at all levels yes because there's a few leagues around australia not the abl but there's a few leagues in australia where you get the impression that the head honchos are purely focused on the cash the bottom line which is fair enough the billion dollar tv but, deals but without your grassroots participants and without your families feeling engaged you can forget all of that yeah, you won't have a product mm. yep i think that's just me and my highlights left so it is yeah I'm let's is this it this is the last one oh all right yeah. beauty all right give us a big finish all right. A happy finish. A happy finish. My highlights, Leicester City winning the Premier League. Just a complete, like, outrageously, ridiculously incredible effort. <laughs> Only five teams had won the EPL since it started in 92-93. The lowest a champion had ever finished in the season before they won it was third. Leicester <laughs> finished 14th. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. And That's that amazing. Was, that, but that was due to them winning their last six games in a row the previous season <laughs> to get out of the relegation. And then, yeah, they, they brought in Claudio Ranieri as mm. coach. And that was seen as a, a stupid move because he had just been sacked as coach of the Greek national team <laughs> after they lost a match to the Faroe Islands. Well, he's quite unjustly and harshly been judged as a bit of a clown, yeah, uh, yes. Ranieri, because of when he – the tinker man, he called him. Yeah. They called him uh, because he changes his team's lineups around a lot um, mm. and was – Copped it in Italy, but absolutely copped it when he was at Chelsea uh, in the Premier League. Yeah. First go around. And, yeah, it just showed that he knows what he's doing. And that, yeah, yeah, that for me, that Leicester City, I think it was something like 132 years they've been exist- in existence as a club. They finished second once before, but had never won the, the Premier League. That's and just, just incredible. Yeah. The, odds, the odds of that are oh. ridiculous. You know what? Another highlight for me for this series. What's that? It's the same same team, yeah. and it's Leicester City possibly facing relegation <laughs> this year. <laughs> they, what are they? They're like three points off the bottom and goal difference. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're doing okay in Europe, but they're oh, they're absolutely killing it in the Champions League. But they're realizing that they need. Uh, they need like three squads. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is why the rich clubs stay up for so long. But also, that would just add to just how good of an effort it was. Imagine that if they won the Champions League 
and got relegated. Got relegated. Another one for me, and we talked about this before: the women's rugby sevens gold yeah. medal at the Brilliant. Olympics. Just perfect time of the day. Everyone just getting ready for work, and you yep. can stop and turn it on. Quick seven minute halves. Yeah, yeah. It was just such a, a good game, and. The Australian game, I think it was against the, the US, had my highlight of the year. Yeah. And that was Charlotte Kaslick's tackle where a, an American player was running on their own down the left-hand sideline. She came from the opposite side of the field and basically ran along the hypotenuse of the, the triangle <laughs> to absolutely destroy the, the US player, <laughs> tackled them over the sideline yeah. and then just gave her just a glance. Just and, a, and yeah, I got gotcha. you. That was I gotcha. it. See you yeah, later. There's it no, was... There's no time for rubbishing because it's sevens. Yeah, exactly. No, it was yeah, so that is my sporting highlight of the year. Yeah. Was, was Kaslik's tackle. I'm going the Western Bulldogs winning the AFL Grand Final. Not the rubbish yeah, sure about enough. their injuries and blah blah. Ignore blah. the rubbish afterwards. But the 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 fact that they had been in what two grand finals in their in their existence. They had won one grand final. Lost a lot of preliminary finals. Yeah, yeah. Yep. And then they finished seventh on the ladder. Mm-hmm. They beat West Coast Eagles in Perth mm-hmm. when they weren't expected to do that. They beat Hawthorne, the, the three-time reigning premiers. Reasonably handily too, that one. Oh, yeah. Actually, that... both of those wins were re- were quite good. They it, it was over. It was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, then... They beat the AFL Darlings, GWS, in a, like, a really good game that, of football. That was a good game. That was a good game and uh, yeah, a highly unexpected result. GWS were, were meant to just wander through and you know just deal with them and then deal with Sydney the next week and win mm. themselves a premiership. But it was the Dogs winning on the big stage against the AFL's other Darlings, Sydney. <laughs> And not sure. There's not sure Sydney are all that darlings at the AFL at the moment, but uh, no, <laughs> I won't go into that. Anyway, well yeah, done. The yeah, do- the yeah, winning winning was awesome. It was a, yeah. It wasn't a good game, but they won exactly. You, you, you won the premiership, so there you go. Yeah, it's like how from many, seventh from seventh with so many years of not being and there, so much against you. Yeah, yeah. Great stuff. Uh, sticking on AFL, the women's draft day. I actually, I was uh, watching, you were you were big on that. I yeah. was I was watching it on my lunch break. It was just a really great moment. So many people had worked really hard for Debbie Lee in particular, who played for like nineteen or twenty years, and she's involved at Melbourne. She was interviewed at the end of or after she had made Melbourne's first selection in the draft. Just asked about you know what it meant to her. She'd campaigned for so long, and yeah, she was like, well, she couldn't. Actually Actually, hold back the the tears. She was so proud and happy. So mm. for me, that was a really, really good moment. Yeah, that was great. Uh, three more. The focus on the Sheffield Shield as a genuine pathway to playing for Australia. I can't <laughs> remember a time where the whole of the the nation or the whole of the cricket supporting nation were actually interested in who did what in the Sheffield Shield. Was that being a genuine pathway though, or was that just a? a Co- oh, what's the word I'm looking for? A, con- a confluence of a confluence something. of situations. It, it possibly is. However, and and it took the Australians being completely abject to, to yeah. force that. <laughs> yeah, but true. people are now <laughs> saying, no, no, you you actually need a reason to pick players. You can't just randomly pick someone, or you can't just you know stick with someone because their surname's Marsh. But what if they mouth off? What if they're mouthy? We've been good through blokes. This. They're good blokes, and they oh, there's, there's a difference between. I'm, I'm not going to. How get can into you that. tell who's a good bloke in the Sheffield Shield? Well, it's not about being a good bloke. Yeah, it's about being a ripping bloke who mouths off. 
Another one, another highlight for me, Sharia Pitt, 29-year-old Burns victim, yeah, this is amazing. suffered burns to 65% of her body when competing in an ultra marathon in WA about 15 years ago when she got caught in a firestorm, mm. had over 200 operations, completed her first Hawaiian Iron Woman competition in October. Just amazing. Just incredible. If yeah. you, if yeah, that's such an inspiring story. Three point eight kilometer swim, I can't do that. One hundred and eighty <laughs> kilometer cycle, I can't do that. Oh, I can't do that twice. Forty two point two kilometer marathon, I can't do that. And you got twelve hours to finish it. Put them together. There's your Iron Woman. And the injuries <laughs> to her hands mean that she has custom made gears and brake levers on her bike, and. She's actually unable to regulate body temperature due to the burns, mm. so she wears or she wore special race clothing to cope with the severe heat and humidity. Yeah, because it's in Hawaii, in where Hawaii. There's, you run past live volcanoes and lava fields. Yep. So, that's just incredible. Yeah, huge highlight for yeah. me. And the last one is something that's happened today, and that's Jared Ruffhead being cleared of the, the cancer, which kept him out of, uh, well, kept him out of football last year, but also, you know, was risking his life. Uh, yeah, just, just that small little thing. He yeah. couldn't play football, but it was, but also, it was also maybe going to kill him. Yep. And <laughs> it was, yeah, the second time, or sorry, the, the second occurrence, and it, it, it didn't sound good when they announced that it had moved to yeah. other places in his body. But... Immunotherapy worked. Everything's gone. There's no tumours. It's all clear at the moment. Brilliant news. So, Brilliant news. Yes, that is my highlight. That's a great highlight. Of the year. Yeah. AJ. What do we do? Yeah. Well, it's Christmas time coming up. End of year time. Yeah. Yes. Would you, if you could, <laughs> if you could get a sporting thing under your Christmas tree. Yeah. What What would you do? What do you want for Christmas? What do I want for Christmas? More ex-AFL players hosting shows on Melbourne Radio. <laughs> <laughs> um, you can't get a gig on radio in Melbourne unless you play at AFL, I think. Jonathan Brown does the breakfast show. Uh, SEN is just ex-footballers. Uh, Luke Darcy is on the hot breakfast with Eddie Maguire, who's the president of Collingwood. Uh, well, James, James Heard was going to be on SEN and then they, oh, they heard the backlash and went, Oh, okay, maybe yeah. that was a bad idea. Bill Brownless also hosts a show with James Brayshaw on Triple M. I did a little bit of uh, study, Andrew. Yes. Just, think, just to figure out why do all of these radio stations employ ex-AFL players? Right. Uh, I had a look at the stats, had a look at the ratings. Okay. Guess how many, uh, for, uh, for the month of August, I think it was, mm-hmm. which is bang in the middle of footy season. Yep. Uh, from breakfast through to drive time. Yep. Uh, how many, let's say out of 10, how many of the top 10 shows had an AFL footballer in them? I would like to think that it's closer to zero than it is to 10, but I fear you're going to tell me otherwise. It was one. Only one out of the top 10 radio really? shows featured an ex-AFL player, and it was the Luke Darcy one for the hot breakfast with Eddie Maguire. And Mick Malloy. Which, which rates at... In the morning, yeah. six to nine. Uh, everyone else listens to radio stations that do not feature ex AFL players. So there, maybe there's a subtle message out there for uh, your radio producers out there. Uh, Sen, I'll give them a pass because they're a sports network. But uh, just, just interesting, isn't it? Well, th- this is. I, I've been waiting for this for for the whole show because AJ sent me a text earlier today saying I've got the fact of the year. Uh, and I, I imagine that that's that Bang, was the, that was the fact go. of the year. That's not what I want for Christmas, though. I, well, I just well, I need, just needed to drop that in there. It'd been burning. That is that is an incredible 
statistic or, or fact. Yeah, there yeah. you go. Um, what I want for Christmas is an injury-free preseason for Danger, Joel, the Hawk, and especially Mitch Duncan. I love Mitch Duncan. He's my favourite player. Right. Uh, and everyone who wears green and trains out in Braddon. Be, be <laughs> well. Be well over your preseasons, everyone. Everyone. Fair enough. No, that, that's understandable. That's what I want, Andrew. What about you? What's under your tree? Well, Jared Ruffhead was going to be under yeah. my tree, <laughs> but, you know, that's an early Christmas present. So, mine, genuine commitment from, from TV broadcasters to support, I guess, more than just the mainstream sports, you know. Oh, sports and, is a business. Yeah. yeah. I know. AFL and NRL, there's a lot of money in, in those. That's, you know, fine, but... To show things like the the ABL, the the WNBL, the Australian Ice Hockey Leagues, just and and do mm. it properly because those those sports basically have to to do it themselves. Yeah, and, they're on the smell of an oily rag. Yeah, and yeah. some of them are doing it really well. The Southern Stars in the cricket, even though Cricket Australia has a lot of money, they're streaming all of their games on, on Facebook and on the Cricket Australia website, which I guess is probably because they've got a lot of money they can afford mm. to do that. But I just want, like, even rugby union... But you the, can do it everywhere else. Everywhere else in the world seems to not have any trouble... Broadcasting everything. I mean, we joke about it. Oh, here's the curling from yeah. you know West Canada. You know, at three a.m. in the morning on a random channel that you never watch. But yep. there's enough channels out there on pay TV, and there's more than enough channels out there on free-to-air TV to cover everything. Well, that's the thing. There's on on Foxtel. There's I don't even know how many sports channels there are now because they've got B in Sports and all of those. Mm. But the as you say, the free-to-air channels. My lord, they've got. All of these things. And so they just... many cheap reruns that they just bounce from channel to channel to channel yeah. when they could be showing some pretty awesome sport and yeah, raising I... participation rates and getting everything going. Exactly. I don't want to see George and Mildred again. I don't <laughs> want to see F Troop hey, again. Hey, you hands off George and Mildred, Andrew. <laughs> All right. You know what? I think that might do us. Yep. That'll do us for 2016, folks. Uh, that's it until January 3. Uh, we'll come back January 3 with... All sorts of things going on. Um, but we are still going to be active on Twitter at ASD Podcast and Facebook.com slash a sporting discussion. Uh, don't forget, we do reply. Tweets or comments are signed off with either AJ for myself or AD for himself. So you are 100% sure of who is trolling you. Um, <laughs> Tell your friends to subscribe to the podcast, even though we're on hiatus. There's still a lot of high-quality content there with really good guests. Um, we recommend they listen via Wooshka, who are the lovely Australian company who host our audio either through their app or through their desktop site. The desktop site's a ripper if you are uh, stuck at work over the December-January break and you've got nothing else. Yeah, you want to you want a recap of the, the interviews that we've done, for example? And make sure you take the time to leave us a review. We would really appreciate that. We do love our reviews. Now, I just want to say a thank you to everyone who we've had on in 2016. Andrew, mm. thanks to uh, Tim Gore from ABC Grandstand. Uh, Paddy Bordier, our first ever guest, who uh, is our soccer guru. Holds a special place in our heart, our first guest. Brett McKay from ABC Grandstand and the Raw, who's our rugby union guru. Uh, we love talking with Craig Norenbergs from Al Jazeera English over in uh, Doha. That was a good one. The brilliant Aaron Delahunty, who is our netball expert. Um, we love Aaron Delahunty. Damien Arsenis, who spoke to us about hoops. 
um, uh, in the NBA and the NBL. Uh, we had a really good chat with Rowan Connolly. We really appreciated him being able to give us his time. And if you haven't had a chance yet, go and, go and check that one out. That's our highest rating episode so far. <laughs> yep. um, uh, Dom Malisi, Collingwood's recruiting manager a couple of weeks ago. Um, that was really good. Um, that's a really, really interesting insight into how the back end of an AFL club works. Mm. Uh, Andrew McShay from Brisbane Heat, um, talking about great fan engagement stuff. And the VR stuff. The VR That's stuff, cool. which is really, really good. Um, Danny Vukovic, who joined us briefly last week to talk about the FFA Cup final. Uh, a Shane, good friend. Shane Webster, who spoke about uh, tennis for us. Uh, he's very knowledgeable about tennis. Dan Jarvis, uh, the Group 1 horse winning owner, um, who was talking to us about why we should care about horse racing. Yep. Um, and I want to thank Ben Foster, uh, General Manager of the Australian Baseball League, uh, who came on and spoke to us as well. Um, and there was also Andy Crook, who's the Chief Operating Officer of the National Basketball League, the NBL. We've, we've That's a lot had of a guests. hell of a year. <laughs> That's a lot of guests. Had a hell of a year. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much to, to every one of them and thank you to every one of you for, for listening, for engaging on social media, for telling your friends. Yeah, there's not much we can do without uh, your ears and your fingertips uh, tapping in some responses or tapping your friends on the shoulder to uh, get them onto a sporting discussion. Um, And whilst we're going on hiatus for the podcast, AJ, you will still be writing on theraw.com.au. Still be writing on theraw.com.au, some ABL stuff, some good ABL stuff, um, if I say so myself. Uh, Hopefully some rugbyleaguehub.com as well. Maybe a couple other things, who knows. What about yourself? Uh, now, uh, did you work out whether you're still going to be on Triple R or not on Monday oh, mornings? I've got, I've got one more Monday morning this year at least and yep. then uh, a Friday morning, next Friday morning, Ooh. doing a yearly wrap. Oh, the, all right. Uh, How long do you get for that? I'm not sure. I think it'll be less than, than normal oh, right. because they're getting all of the regular So basically, guests. I think all you need to do is say, Western Bulldogs, Bulldogs. won the flag. Yep. Yeah. All right. Yep. <laughs> um, what, now, oh, we mentioned it in the intro. White Line Wireless is about to kick off covering the Women's Big Bash League, uh, yes. December 10. December 10 is the first doubleheader and December 11, the Sunday, is the second doubleheader. I will be involved on the Sunday, on the Saturday, AJ, myself and a few others will be out at... Melbourne Baseball Park watching yep. uh, the doubleheader, doubleheader Cavs versus Aces. It's going to be Cavs, yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, so the there will be at least fourteen games broadcast live on Channel Ten, and each of those we will be calling. So tune in to Whiteline Wireless on Mixler and on TuneIn. Yep. That'll, uh, that'll what do. else? Is that it? That's it. Thank Thanks, you. everyone, for listening. Thanks to all our guests. We've got – just to sign off with this one, we've got a few things planned for 2017 that we hope will take the show to the next level. Mm. And uh, we're quite excited about it. We hope you will be too once we come back. But we want to say thank you so much for listening to a sporting discussion during 2016. And we will be back January 3. 